You are welcome to a great moment in destiny. God is about to speak directly to you and the message coming right up is crafted by heaven not just to challenge you but to align your destiny. As you embrace divine instruction, expect that God's word is bringing about revival, healing, restoration and transformation to your entire life. With faith in your heart and great expectation, join me and receive God's word through his choice vessel, Apostle Goodheart Obi Ekoeme. Was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, that's really Joshua, if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath seized from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For a subject this hour, the labor of rest, part number one, the labor of rest. Let's entreat our Father in a brief word of prayer yet again. Our Father and our God, it is truly unto you and you alone that we are gathered as a global family from all walks of life. We're gathered not to hear a man, but to hear you. We're gathered to encounter you. I beseech you, Abba Father, to take a coal of fire from the altar of heaven and on the lips and the tongues of clay of this seven son of yours that today will come to your people that thus saith the Lord. Move every man, woman, boy, or girl from where we are to where you've reserved for us in the place called destiny. As always, we vow to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Reach out to your neighbor, tell them the labor of rest. Praise God. It, it, it is interesting that the Bible will speak on one hand about rest and then will speak on the other hand about labor. Um, looking at this statement from the face value, it seems to be a paradox or a contradiction of sort. If I am in rest or I'm coming into rest, of what need do I have to labor? It seems to be contradictory. Labor and rest don't seem to go together. But the truth be told is that this kind of labor 
is not what you ordinarily understand as laboring in a particular cause or particular venture or particular activity. And in a moment, we understand what this labor really means. But I want to begin uh, by laying a few foundations in these teachings to underscore the fact and the reality that God, from the very foundation of creation, had created man with the purpose and the intention that man will live and walk in rest. Man wasn't designed by God to live a life of toil, a life of sweat, a life of labor, if you like. Man was designed by God to truly enjoy rest in him. You see, in the redemption story, or better still, you see, in, in the book, uh, in Genesis, beg your pardon, in the creation story, not redemption, creation story, we see how it is that God created all things that needed to be ready before he made man as the pinnacle, as the zenith, as the capstone of his creation. Man was the last personality or last thing, if you like, that was created by God. Everything was ready. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six was the day that man was created. So in a day, in a sense, the sixth day is man's day and it's a day of a final work that God wrought on the earth before he entered into rest on the seventh day as read in our text. Man was created on this sixth day. So therefore, by extension, listen carefully, the first day of man, which was the seventh day of God of the earth, right, was the day of Sabbath or the day of rest. Oh boy. So man was created, if you like, born to enter into rest. Whoa. That's why man thrives best in the place of rest, not toil, not sweat, because man was never designed for sweating and for toiling. Praise God. That, this is the expression of the love of the Father for the one he created in his image and likeness. That I didn't call you to labor or to sweat. I call you to enter into my rest. Track again. Man was created on the sixth day and then God entered rest on the seventh day. So the seventh day for God was the first day for man. Very important. We see in Genesis 2, 1 to 3, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, hello, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed. He hallowed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it, he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Can you declare I am made for rest. I am made for rest. I don't know what has unnerved you, what has rattled you, what has brought discomfort in your life, what has harassed you. You are made for rest. Glory to God. Now, we see again in the life that Adam had before the fall, right? Man was fully in charge. Man enjoyed dominion and rulership. In the Man was the vice Region of the earth. He was as well the governor over the earth plane as God Himself governed the heavens. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now look at look at the great blessing God placed upon the first man he created in Genesis 1:26. Genesis, the Bible study, please turn. Genesis 1:28. I beg your pardon. It's a promise that God gave, Genesis 1:28. And God blessed them. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And God said unto them, Guess what? Be fruitful. Now, 
Are you struggling with any area of barrenness in your life? This is a word. It's not even a promise. It's a commandment for you and I to be fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply, right? And replenish the earth and subdue it uh -huh. and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you it shall be for me. Now, this is bliss. This is a life of heaven on earth for the first man that God created. No, no need to tall to eat. No need to tall to wear clothing because the glory of the Lord covered man until man fell and they became naked. Uh, 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 God was there. Everything in the cool of the day, God will come to fellowship with them and break bread with them. Praise God. But the time came that man went into disobedience. And from that moment in time, he went into a, a, a generation of toil and labor and sweat from that point in time till Jesus Christ came to redeem mankind from the, uh, uh, from the fallen state of man. All of that time between when man fell until Christ showed up in redemption, man was sweating, man was toiling, man was laboring. Hear the word the Lord spoke to them on account of the curse that came upon them when they fell. Genesis 2.15. This is, no, no, sorry. This is before they fell. Genesis 2.15. Uh, this is a word that the Lord gave Adam before Eve showed up, all right? Genesis 2.15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. Guess what? To dress it and to keep it right. That word keep, it means to guard it, guard it. The question is, who or what was Adam supposed to guard the garden from? Praise God. So if God says keep it or guard it, there must be something or someone that is an enemy that you are to guard the garden from. Of course, the Satan, Satan right? It says you keep it, right? You dress it. That's maintenance, dress it, but also to keep it or to guard it. Praise God. So man's responsibility was to guard the garden, to dress the garden, and to keep the garden. Praise God. The garden was blessed. No need to sweat or talk, but simply watch over it or superintend over what I gave you or uh, uh, be a steward over the blessing that I gave you. Praise God. But you know the story? Man fell and um, uh, 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 man was driven out of the garden of Eden. And then from that point in time, a curse was placed upon Adam and Eve. And here were the curses in Genesis 3, 18 and 19. Genesis 3, 18. Genesis 3, 18, 19. We're laying some foundation on labor uh, for rest. Genesis 3, 18. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field in the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shall thou return. Guess what? It says, in the sweat of thy faith, face, or in the sweat of thy brow, he said, you will now begin to eat. This was never the case. 
Man never had to labor, never had to toil to eat. No, it was freely available. Why? God created man for rest. Praise God. Now, track with me. Because God created man for rest. Also, listen, God also redeemed man for rest. Wow. So if all Jesus came to do on the earth by way of redemption, didn't bring us rest, then that work wasn't complete, but it was complete. Right. So we, we were created for rest, but we're also redeemed for rest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we, we begin to see something different here now. But what man fell into by way of the curse was needless toil, sweat, and labor in order to eat. Right, right. But God gave man in Genesis 2.15, not labor, but work. What is the work? To tend the garden and to guard the garden or to keep it, to dress it, to tend it, to guard it, to keep it. That was work. And by the way, men out there, uh, God gave you and I work before he gave us our wives. Before Eve showed up, Adam had a purpose, right? He knew where he was going in life. So marriage is not for babies. It's for the mature, for those who have discovered their life-ordained purpose and are already pursuing it. Praise God. You must know where you're going in order for you to uh, 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 direct somebody who's going to join you to fulfill jointly both of your life purpose and destiny. Praise God. So, so Adam had work. Well, to tend the garden, to guard the garden, to keep the garden. Praise God. The, the question is, man of God, why will God give Adam work? I, I thought he said he was in rest. Yeah, you see, the point is, there is a dimension of work that speaks of what will produce creativity, productivity, and the fulfillment of purpose in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means if you don't identify the work God has called you to work, uh, yeah, yeah. There are certain giftings that will stay in their raw material on earth, on, on, unfulfilled. But when you discover work, which is purpose and destiny, why you? What is the door you're called to unlock? What is the answer you're meant to profit to questions in life? Oh, yeah, yeah. When you discover your purpose and you begin to work your purpose, guess what? You begin to blossom, begin to thrive, and you begin to find rest because you only find rest in doing what God has called you to do. So work is needful. Yes. But in this regard, this work is not the same thing as labor. Praise God. Praise God. So to work here is a blessing that is given to man by God. Praise God. We're going to see by, by contrast, idleness, laziness, uh, they kill productivity, they kill creativity uh, uh, that is built in man to be, to be expressed and released. Look at what the Bible says all through scriptures. There's a strong warning against slothfulness and laziness. Romans 12, 11 says, we're not to be slothful in business, but we're to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We're not to be slothful in business, but we're to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know, the story was told about the parables in, in Matthew 25. Jesus gave the illustration about, about the parables. Uh, uh, give one man received five talents, one ten talents, five talents, but one, the third person received one talent. And the Bible said he gave them those talents 
according to their several abilities. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the Lord knows your ability. He knows, he knows what you're equipped to carry in life, right? And he gives you your talent, your gift is based on his identified ability you have. So nobody receives too much or too small. He knows your capacity. Praise God. You may think it's too small or too much, but he knows your capacity. Praise God. So these men went and they traded of what they received from their master by way of talents or investment. And the 10 talent man came back with a double. The five talent man came back with a double. And the Lord spoke very well to them and said, oh, enter into the joy of your father. Um, thou good and faithful servant. Right. But the man who received one talent uh, came back and produced no return on investment. Wow. No increment, no profit, no interest on what was invested. And he said that I knew you were a hard man. You know, you want to reap where you have not sown. But he had the words uh, that, that was said to him in Matthew 25, 26, uh, speaking very harshly against slothfulness, lethargy, and laziness. Matthew 25, 26 says, His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and wither where I have not strawed. Right? He said, thou wicked and slothful. Slothful, that's what again, lazy, lazy servant. You know, um, <laughs> it's one thing to be a good steward, good servant. It's another for you and I to be a profitable steward or a faithful servant. So good and faithful steward or servant. So believers are oftentimes good but the question is how many believers are also faithful? Faithful to what God has placed in our care by way of trust. And we find in the kingdom of God, the way men rise is by faithfulness. It says, seest thou a man that is diligent in his own business. He will appear not before mean men, but before kings and nobles. Proverbs 22, 29. Seest thou a man who is diligent in his business. Hello, so he who has honed his skills, he who is faithful, praise God, will naturally be one who will be promoted, praise God. So God expects us to be faithful over the stewardship is placed in our hands. So my question to you today, my brother, is, or my sister, of course, what has God placed in your hand by way of stewardship? What gift, what talent, what treasure has he custodied in your hand? Are we to return back to him with profit and investment back to him? Praise the Lord. So we find a slothfulness and lethargy and laziness. They are killers of destiny. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. To those who will not work, to those who will be idle, busybodies, who are just lazy, you know, um, who, 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 who turn this gospel of rest to say, well, I think what you mean is I just sit down and do nothing, wait for man to fall down from heaven. No, no, no that's, not, that's not what this rest Rest actually requires work. Praise the Lord. That's the point I'm making. Rest requires work. You labor or you work to enter into this kind of rest. Praise God. So 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. For even when we were with you, so Apostle Paul writing now to the church in Thessalonica, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. <laughs> For we hear that there are some which walk 
among you disorderly, working not at all. Wow. Working not at all, but are what? Are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness, guess what? They work. They work. Work is good. Labor in this sense is not good. And I saw what I mean by that, but work is good. That they work and eat their own bread. So all through the scriptures, the Bible recommends us to effective work. Praise God. Working is a backdrop that leads to promotion and increase. Hallelujah. It said, in all labor, that again is not labor as we speak, but in all labor there's profit. So in all work there is profit. Praise God. Praise God. Now look at what the scripture talks about a building that is left on its own, that left idle, begins to decay. You know, when you leave a building unoccupied by human beings, naturally, there's no activity, there's no life, the building begins to uh, decay of its own accord. Speaking of the kind of, of destruction that happens when something is idle. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 18. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. We will work our way into rest. Glory to God. Not labor, not sweat, but work. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. What? By much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. Right. So, beloved, for the sake and purpose of our studies on the labor of rest, I want to mention to you that the word labor in that regard is more appropriately called the work of rest. Right? With this better understanding, labor, work of rest. Because all through the scriptures, you'll find these words, labor or work, sometimes being used interchangeably. Yeah. Um, you need to ascertain the meaning of the word based on the context of where it's being used in the scriptures. Because any kind of labor in the scripture that is a kind of work rightfully ordained by God to work out our creativity, our uh, innovation and purpose is really to be considered as more of work more than it is labor. Praise God. More of work than it is labor. Now, one simple way to identify between uh, what a labor is or what labor is, what work is. Number one, you ask yourself a few questions. Number one, who ordained it? Right. Who sent you on the errand? He said, many have run without me sending them. That's work. Sorry, that's labor, not work. <laughs> but when you run on an errand sent you by the master, that is work, not labor. So who ordained it? Right, right. Who, who, who sent you on a mission? Praise God. If he sent you, then it's work. Praise the Lord. Who initiated, who commanded it? If it's the Lord, then it is work because he's going to yield fruit and dividend at the end. Praise the Lord. Number two, question to ask, what is the end result of it? If it's labor, it will wear you out. You will tire. If it's work, you'll be refreshed and renewed. Though you're really working hard, Right? And people wonder, how come you're working so tirelessly? Because when you are on course with the destiny, even work becomes recreational, refreshing, 
You're working hard, but you're being refreshed as you work. Praise God. You're not being worn out. But on the other hand, you find somebody who's laboring and, and seemingly with little effort, they're tired, they're fainting, they're panting. That's labor. All right. So what is the end result? You have to ask this question. Number three, what is the context of the use of the words in scripture? Like I said, from the use of the word, when the Bible says labor, you can tell it's not really labor invested. It is work. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So that he that does not work, let him not eat. Praise the Lord. Dearly beloved, uh, we look at our text in Hebrews 4.3. We begin to see that when it regards working, that the Bible says that his works were finished from the beginning. Hebrews 4.3, for we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works, here we go, were finished from the foundation of the world. That's the point there now. The works were finished from the foundation of the world, right? So it must mean that this labor we speak about is not about you working to make rest a reality. No, 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 no. He has done all that needs to be done for us to enter rest. The works were finished, where? From the foundation of the world, praise God. So you can't add to it, you can't subtract from it. You can't add to redemption, you can't take from it. It is finished. Jesus hanging on the cross in John 19, 30, hung high, spread wide, said, it is finished. Can you declare wherever you are, it is finished. Hallelujah. It is finished. Finished. He paid the full price for your healing, for your strength, for your vigor, vitality, for your change, for your transformation. It is finished. So our responsibility is to work our way from the point of the finished work into manifestation of rest. Praise God. Praise God. So the work of redemption has been accomplished or fully uh, accomplished from the back of time. Look at what the Bible says in Revelation 13.8 about the lamb that was slain. Revelation 13, verse number eight. It is finished. Hallelujah. You're walking into rest because it is finished. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from where? The foundation of the world. Remember, he said it is finished from the foundation of the world. Hebrews 4, 3. Revelation 13, it says, it was slain from the foundation of So it is done. Rest is done. Rest is done. Rest is done. Rest is done. The work of redemption is fully done and accomplished. The only work we are called to work as believers, listen, is what I call the work of rest. The work of rest or the work from the point of rest. <laughs> Knowing that it is done. So it's not your labor and your sweat per se, but it is your agreeing with what he has done. That is where the work is. This is why the primary work of the believer under the new covenant is not 
labor or activities as much, first and foremost, is to believe God, is to believe God, believe God. John 6.28, you want to turn there? John 6.28. So we work in faith, we work from faith. Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work, work, work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God. What is it? That you believe on him whom he hath sent. That you believe on him whom he hath sent. That's the work. So the work we have is to largely steer ourselves to faith, to believe, to believe, believe. So we see that faith is a very key component and ingredient for those, for those who are going to enter into the rest that God has ordained for us. You know, um, the Bible makes it very, very clear that, that we, we are to labor not for rest, but from the point of rest. Glory to God. Glory to God. So he said, this is the work of the Lord. Uh, this is how you do the work of God, that you may believe on him and him whom he sent. We must believe that he that comes to God, uh, that God is, and God is a faithful rewarder of them who seeks him diligently. Hebrews 11 verse 6, must believe that, uh, that he who comes to God uh, 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 must believe that God is, and God is a faithful rewarder of them who diligently serve him or seek him. We want to um, look closer about this word works, 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 what it means to do the work of Jesus or the work of the Lord. Um, we see several scriptures that talks about Jesus doing the work of the Father. He said, I've come to do the work of the Father. John 9, John 9, here he healed a blind man. John 9 verse 3 says, And Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned. All right? They were asking, hey, uh, why was this guy blind from the mother's womb? Who, is it a sin? The father said, you know, anytime people face a situation, people assume it is something you did wrong or something somebody did wrong around you. Not necessarily the case. He answered, neither had this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works, all right, track with me, that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. All right. So he came to work. What work? The works of him that sent him. Right? The works of the Father. While it is day. He says, this is time bound. The night comes when no man can work. That means my days on the earth, they're limited. They're counted, they're numbered, 33 and a half years. And within that time, there's a certain work I need to do. Number one is to work the works of him who sent me. Not just that, but also to conclude that. Right. We begin to see that a part of the work that Jesus came to do, listen carefully, was to destroy or to undo the works of the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First John 3 verse 8. All right, a part of the works is to destroy the works of the devil. First John 3, 8. He that cometh 
sorry, he, beg your pardon, he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy, guess what? The works of the devil. Has he come? Yes. Has he fulfilled that assignment? Yes. Are the works of the devil destroyed? Yes. He's come. He was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. So that means our responsibility is to simply believe that and establish the truth that the works of the enemy have been destroyed and walk into our God-ordained inheritance of peace. Praise God. Praise God. So it's come to accomplish that. Uh, let's look at John 4 again. John 4. Remember it's a Bible study? Turn right. Turn right. Go back. Look them over again. The works of Jesus. He came to do the work of the Father. John 4, 34 to 36. Praise the Lord. Remember the works of the devil have been destroyed. You have the victory. You have the victory. You have the victory. So walk in victory and triumph. John 4, 34. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your holy name. Jesus said unto them, my meat. Yeah, yeah is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So it wasn't just to start it, to do it and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest, right? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, beloved, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Hmm. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Now, he spoke about doing the will of the Father, right? Which is his meat, right? As he's doing the will of the Father, he was strengthened, right? But he also said, not just to start it, but to finish it. Then he moved on from starting and finishing the will of the Father to talk about the harvest field that is already white. He said, you guys say, oh, it's four months before the fields are going to be ready for harvest. He said, no, 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 the fields are already ready for harvest. Wow. Now, when you speak of harvest, it speaks of the harvest of souls. Praise God. Now the time to reap the harvest of souls is now. So don't defer it. Don't postpone it as in some distant future. The hour is now. And it speaks about those who will reap and those who will sow. They, they alike will rejoice together. Hello, somebody. The Bible declares, Apostle Paul planted, Apollos watered, and only God gave the increase. First Corinthians 3 verse 6, Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. So that means no matter what part of the work you're involved in as pertaining to the harvest field, you're praying, you're giving, you're going, there is a reward based on your level of commitment, dedication, and faithfulness to what you're doing as regards reaping the harvest of souls in the day and age we live in. Praise of Paul planted, Apollos watered, but only God gave the increase. Likewise, God has called you and I to become active.
active workers as pertaining the reaping of the end time harvest. We begin by prayer, praying for souls, interceding for souls. Begin by prayer, praying for revival in our local assemblies, praying for fresh fire to fall upon the altar. We begin by prayer because every true revival begins in the place of prayer. When men bow their knees and cry out for more of God, God answers them. So prayer initiates revival, but prayer also sustains revival. Praise God. We ought to see much more people drafted into our, our local assemblies that have been saved in multiple numbers. That, that takes, first and foremost, a, a, a cry of the saints before the Father. Say, Lord, we want to see souls saved, lives changed, bodies transformed. We want to see people not remain the same again. Praise God. And I want to challenge us, people of God, Roger, and the many people who are joined and locked to this altar, I want us to begin to stay in our heart a desire for more in God. More, more fire, more passion, more zeal. We want to see more. We've read history and seen revivals of yesteryears, but we know that what God is said to that, that day and age, boy, it, it, it's going to climax and, and eclipse all that we've read in human history. Yeah, he saved the best for the last. The end of the matter is better than the beginning. But the people must begin to cry out to him and say, Lord, we want more. We're tired of the status quo. Are there any areas of your life that you are tired of being tired? You're saying, God, I want more in this area. Well, why not lay your hand upon the horn of the altar and begin to cry out for that change? When you cry out sincerely, he will hear. So they say, well, he will never turn from the cries of his children, especially when they say cry for mercy and they cry of mercy. Praise God. So I want to challenge us uh, going forward. Let's begin to invest quality time in this area pertaining to soul winning, whether it's through prayer, finances, or going. Hallelujah. Look at what it says in verse 37. Uh, John 4, 37. And hearing is that saying true. One reapeth, sorry, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are entered into their labors. Wow. That means whew, people have plowed and sown in yesteryears. And like the, the, the fourth man in a 100-meter uh, race, the fourth man in a 100-meter race who has the baton to cross the finishing line, like we are as the end-time army of the law, who have the honor to press the tape of finishing this race well on behalf of those who have gone ahead of us. So he said, we're, we're to enter into their labor. So did you know how, how white the field is? How many people are hungry and eager to just to hear the gospel? They're already at an edge. They're looking for truth, looking for a way out of their pain and their drudgery and their difficulty. All they want is good news to be shared with them in the simplest form and manner that brings understanding and they boom, jump at it. People are ready. They're ready. Just waiting to be ignited. Praise the Lord. It's like a burner. Uh, or a gas burner that is waiting for, for you to strike the mind, boom, and it, it, it lights up. People are ready, waiting, just the truth to be shared to them, and then boom, and they're turning their lives to the Lord. So we see, beloved, uh, in three aspects, I want to write this down, uh, the works of Jesus can be encapsulated in three aspects. Number one, he came to destroy the works of Satan. John 10, 10. The enemy comes, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And of course, there are other works of the enemy, premature death, sickness, disease, failure, 
fear, all that stuff. Yeah, he came to destroy it. It is destroyed. So somebody says, man of God, why am I not walking into the liberty that God has purchased for me? Well, you see, it takes knowledge of the truth to walk out on the things that have kept us based on ignorance. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So what we need to walk in liberty is truth, revelation knowledge. John 8, 31. If you continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth you know will make you free. So what we need is the truth that shines into our heart and shows us that we're really free, that we can walk out of what had kept us in ignorance. Somebody shout, I am free. I am free. You are coming out free, coming out clean in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so, so number one, number one, he destroyed the works of sins. Number two, Jesus came also to fulfill the course and the pathway of redemption. Mm. Yeah, he paid the full price for you to enjoy the full price. So the Bible declares in Psalm 107 verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So Jesus has paid the full price for our redemption. And what you need to do if you're there, don't know Jesus Christ, is to very simply open the door of your heart and invite the Savior or the Redeemer. Koti Kriti Seta. He says, with our heart we believe unto righteousness, with our mouth confession is made unto salvation. As you agree that he died for you and rose triumphantly with your mouth, with your heart, you're saved. Praise God. And nobody can be saved without a Savior, and nobody can be safe without being saved. So wherever you are across the nations of the world, beloved, if you're not safe, not saved, this is your hour. The Lord opened his hand wide like the father of the prodigal son in Luke 15, waiting for the son to raise into his hands to embrace him. The father is waiting for you to run into his arms and you'd be surprised he's more eager to receive you home than you're eager to return back. It was said concerning the prodigal son that he came to himself. Oh boy, I pray that somebody under the sound of my voice, that you are coming to yourself, that you are better than where you are. Coming to yourself regarding that health challenge and walking out of the disease and infirmity. Coming to yourself regarding that delay and walking out of delay. Just coming to yourself in Christ, that you are better than your experiences. Hallelujah. Somebody said, I am out in the name of the Lord. Why? Jesus has paid the full price of redemption. Nothing can be added, nothing can be subtracted. All we need to do is by faith, receive or appropriate what he has done for us. Number three, or three work of Jesus, very clear uh, in his earthly ministry, is the work of the salvation of souls. You know, he said, he has come to the world, listen carefully, not to serve, no, not to be served, but to serve. And he said, he came, listen, to seek and to save the lost. Wow. Cody Braga, that's a work. He came to seek and to save the lost. So as a lamb, he came to seek and to save the lost. He's coming back as a lion to judge, but as a lamb, he came to seek and to save the lost. Praise God. So the third thing that is part of his works was salvation for, for the lost, for souls. Praise God. Praise God. Let's see a few more scriptures that speak about the works of Jesus. And then we'll see 
what the work of the saint is. Praise the Lord. Let's turn a few scriptures. Uh, John 5, 17, and inferred to some already. John 5, 17, we're looking at the several instances Jesus spoke about his work, his work. John 5, 17, but Jesus answered them, my father worketh, he that too, and I work. My father worketh, and I work. John 5, 36. So as his father works, he works also. John 5, 36. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works would the father have given me to finish, the same works that I do, be a witness of me that the father hath sent me. Listen, but I have greater witness than that of John. For the works, the works, would the father have given me to finish, the works to finish, right? The same works that I do, they be a witness of me that the father hath sent me. John 10, 25. John 10, 25. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus answered them, I told you and you believed not. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. Finally, look at John 10, 32. John 10, 32. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you for my father. For which of these works do you stone me? So we see, beloved, that as he saw his father work, so he was also working on the earth. Praise the Lord. And he has also placed in our hands the responsibility to under, undertake certain works, not labor, but work. Remember what, how we found what work is? It's initiated by God. And from the end result, we can tell what it is. Praise God. And from the context, from how his use can tell whether it's work or labor. So there's certain things that God has identified for us to work as believers, right? Those works don't save us. We work from salvation. Praise God. Praise God. You know, the Bible says concerning faith, that show me your faith, and I will with my works show you my faith. Right. So, so he that believeth will work. You don't work to be saved. You work because you are saved. Wow. Come Bolomo Sanda. Jesus teaching the, the disciples in Matthew uh, uh, 5, 5, uh, 5, I believe it is, said that, let your light shine before men that men may glorify your Father uh, in heaven. Praise the Lord. He said, you should want to do the works of the Father here on the earth that men may see our good works, yes, and will glorify our Father. Thank you. Let your light so shine. That's Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. So there's something to be seen. Good works. So the works don't save us and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So there are works we do because we are saved, not to be saved. Praise God. Praise God. And these works are the basis for which God will reward us. Number one. Number one work the Lord gave us as believers. Very interesting. Is the establishment of the work that Jesus did in destroying the works of Satan, right? You know, he said that he was manifest to destroy the works of Satan, right? First John 3 verse 8. So part of our work is to go about 
and look for where to establish what Jesus has already done in the lives of people in our own lives, right? Luke 10, 19 says, behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over every power of the devil and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I give unto you what? Power. That power is to enforce woo, our redemptive rights and privileges over our lives and over those who are around us. Praise God. So it's been settled, but we enforce it to the point of manifestation. It's a work we're called to do as a believer. Joyful work. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 12, that greater works has he called us to do. John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Praise God. So there are greater works to be done. Praise God. Uh, as, we, as we join heart, as the body of believers, we have greater works to do in our day, in our generation. Glory to God. Number two, work that is called us to work is the works that pertains to our salvation. Don't get me, don't go too far. That does not mean that you work for salvation, but we're told to work out our salvation. So what it is, while the Lord has worked into your spirit, wow, we have the responsibility to work out into our souls and ultimately into our physical bodies, make it real and tangible. Let's look at Philippians 2.12 and 13. Number one work, enforce the things the Lord has redeemed us from. Number two, to work out salvation. So wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Hey, work out, yes, your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. You work it out. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So there is a, a working out. There is a, a working out. When we take the word of the Lord and his promises over our lives and we agree with them, we stand fast, we confess them, we declare them, then we can walk into the reality of those promises in our lives. Praise God. So you walk out what God has already walked in you. It's like when a child was born, a child has a full uh, potential of being either an adult, a man or a woman, uh, but in the course of growth and maturity, that child begins to grow and grow to be a full stature, a full man. Likewise, when we're saved, everything that is needed for life and Godness was made available in our spirit, man. But as we mature and grow in the word, grow in intimacy with the Holy Spirit, grow in prayer, guess what? Those things that are in us begin to come out of us so that our character begins to reflect Christ. Not just in, in word or profession only, but we live the lifestyle. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It was said in 1 John 2, 6 that we're to walk even as he walked. We're to live even as he lived. So we walk out our salvation by pulling out the things that are inside us to, to without. Praise the Lord. Number three, work that God has called us, which is a major work for the believer in this day and age, is the same similar work that he came to seek and to save the lost. Likewise, he's called us to be witnesses of his love to the unsaved. Matthew 28, and we'll close here. Matthew 28. We have a responsibility given us by God as believers 
uh, to proclaim the glorious gospel to the unsaved, to reach out to the unsaved. And it's very, very big on this. Second uh, Peter 3, 9 says, I would that none perish, but that all come to repentance or salvation. It's Abba Father's utmost desire that not one will perish, but that all, by every means necessary, all must hear the gospel. Amen. Matthew 28 is what is called the Great Commission, the great assignment to the church, the supreme task of the church. The supreme task of the church today is soul winning. Supreme task. Praise the Lord. 28 verse 18. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. All power is given unto me, both in heaven and earth. Then he turned and gave us the church, that power by saying, go ye therefore. Wow. You know, it was said that as they went, as they went, the Lord went with them, working signs and wonders. So it's in the going that the power is made manifest. In the going that the power is made manifest. This is one work that God has called you and I to be engaged in, whether it's through prayer, through giving, through going, either which way, we, we must be on the go for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Simply being a witness that once I was blind, now I can see. Once I was in this state, but now I'm in this state. That is a testimony that your life becomes one of the greatest uh, sermons you can preach, that the Lord who ransomed me from where you were ransomed from can do the same and much more for other people. Hallelujah. It, it begins with prayer and simply asking God to awaken a heart, renewed heart, yearning and longing for the unsafe. Can we pray for two, three minutes before we close? Let's ask the Lord to baptize us afresh with a renewed desire to be on the mission field. Are you praying that prayer? Pray, let's pray that prayer. Grace to be on the go as a global family. Renew sensitivity of heart for the lost. Somebody praying. As a lot of awakening your heart, renewed passion, hunger, to reach out for the lost. People like Oh, hallelujah. Father, we're crying for grace as a global family. Set our heart ablaze again. Set our heart ablaze again. With fire, hunger, thirst for souls, for the lost. People Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you because you first loved us. Keep we receive grace to be on the go. Grace to be on the go for you. Grace to be on the go for you. Thank you and thank you. Can we ask the Lord for divine strategy per time? Every fisherman has a bait to catch fish. 
there's a divine strategy to reach out to the unsaved. Lord, will you equip us with divine strategy per time? Baku Modonga Dika could be a testament, it could be a word, could be an illustration. Oh, Posama de Gabriga could be given, or could be Prabhakapriska, could be helping out. Zegaba, divine strategy. We receive it as a global family in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Beloved, I believe on this altar today, there are people who are saying, man of God, I want to know this Jesus who alone can give rest. Not just rest, he gives roundabout rest. It was Jesus who said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 29 to 30, says, come on to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He has rest. Nobody can give that kind of rest. Now, wherever you are, you're saying, Man of God, pray with me. I want to, I want to have this full measure of rest. Only Christ can give it. Pray with me. Bow your heads wherever you are, and let's pray together. Will you? Let's pray sincerely. Heavenly Father, pray with me. Believe with your heart. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I open the door of my heart as I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me. All of my sins take over my entire life from today and for the rest of my days. I decree and declare Jesus Christ is both my Lord and my Savior. Lamb of glory, thank you for saving me and for changing me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. You have just experienced the preaching and teaching ministry of Good Heart Obi Ekweme, lead pastor of Revival House of Glory International Church, Rogic, and the apostolic leader of the Horn of Revival Ministry, a global outreach ministry mandated to carry the touch of revival across cities and nations. If you would like to ask a question, share your prayer request or testimony, or get more messages or books from Apostle Goodheart, please call or text 0805-223-4444 or email info at rogic.org. That is info at r-h-o-g-i-c dot o-r-g. Also download the Horn of Revival Ministry app on Google Play or Apple Store to connect with a variety of quality resources including Rogic Radio and our refreshing daily devotions to take you higher in life and for real-time ministry you can follow apostle goodheart on twitter the handle is at pastor goodheart and on instagram the handle is at apostle goodheart keep hearing the word of god it will produce intimacy with your spirit for uncommon encounters on the earth